Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. My name is Evan. You're now listening to episode 85. This is a solo episode. I am here alone. Matt's got some family in town. We were planning, uh, I'm recording this on Wednesday, uh, July 14th. Uh, he, he had some family unexpected. I don't know if it was unexpected or what, but um, they rode into town. I'm off today, but um, I, had a, I had a golf thing today. I had a fitting. Um, so I got like retrofitted for clubs. Um, and I just got home and I, I texted Matt and Matt's out, you know, enjoying himself, uh, with his family. So I told him, don't worry about it. Uh, I'll do this show solo dolo and, uh, just, you know, kind of rattle off some of what's been going on in the past week. Um, so, so I'll get into that. Um, really the only thing that I, that I think is, is worth mentioning or not worth mentioning, but the thing that, that we need to, to close the book on is the Euro. So Euro 2020, taking place in 2021, of course, um, has concluded. England versus Italy was the final in the Azuri. Uh, Italy managed to, to walk it off in penalties. So a absolutely soul-crushing, disappointing defeat for a very young English side who Matt and I do, both did predict um, would make the final. So, so we were right about that. Um, we were obviously wrong about um some of some of the other things uh that we predicted but i think pretty much everybody understood that england would be a team that would be contending for this title and certainly be a team that would be um at least playing late in the tournament whether they made the final or not so i think first of all we need to give them a, a round of applause and um appreciate what they were able to do southgate hasn't been the manager of this team for that long and they have a ton of very young players um, and we're going to talk about some of those young players later because the the, the flack, oh, sorry about that, the racial hatred, I mean, there's, there's oh my God, um, that these guys are getting, there's no other way to describe it other than, like, just baseless racial hatred. I mean, there's, there is no reason um, for these guys to be getting the flack that they're getting. And I think just because they're black, I mean, that's, that's literally half the problem. Like that's why they're getting all of this, this abuse. But but we'll get into that um, a little later after we sort of recap the game. Congratulations to Italy too. Uh, I want to make sure I put that out there. I was thoroughly pleased to see the way they performed um, in this game, and I think the defense was was what won them the game. Which which Matt and I kept saying um, that was one hundred percent the reason that they won. Panucci obviously the one. Um, to to draw a goal back and, and make sure the game would go into extra time and pens. So we have to give him a ton of credit. But in general, the team just played so, so well. Um, and Italy are the champions of Europe. So they came back, um, came, came from behind in regular time, and then won in the penalty shootout uh, to beat England in the Euro 2020 final, which was played at home uh, at Wembley Stadium on Sunday. So I want to talk about some of the things that you know, it seems like everybody is kind of taking away um, f- from this game. Southgate and his tactical switching was very, very impressive throughout the entire tournament. This game, it wasn't as impressive, but still. He, for 45 minutes, I mean, for the first 45 minutes, that was an unbelievable performance from England. He did everything right. He made sure throughout the entire tournament that his 
his backs, his left and right back, could get into the play. And Luke Shaw in this game, he was, you know, of course, the English scorer, um, scored in the second minute, was immense. I mean, for the first for the first 10, 15, 25 minutes of the game, and then he sort of fell off, as did the rest of the team. But um and he he played with three center backs in this one. Uh with with Trippier and Luke Shaw as the wing backs, and and that allowed them to not only get more width, but to to allow them to get forward. And you know they were forcing they were forcing Insigne and, and Chiesa back. Those guys had to track back, and they weren't able to they weren't able to get themselves forward and into the Italian attack. So you know Italy, Italy was down bad for for quite some time. It wasn't until you know the second half of this the second half of the second half. Um, that they managed to get that goal anyway, and uh, it was kind of a just a toss up in extra time in pens. I, I had a feeling that they'd be winning in pens. England are just so cursed in penalties. Um, you know they have been for so many years now, and I just I, I knew that there was too much youth on the team for them to to get a result for themselves in penalties, whether they subbed uh, veterans on or not. But um, yeah, well, I guess that's that's kind of like a moot point. Um, Another thing I think uh, interesting to to kind of talk about is the invisibility of both of the strikers in this game. Immobile had one touch inside 30 yards of a goal in the 55 minutes that he played, and Harry Kane was entirely invisible. Um, he had a couple game good games this tournament, but I have to say, I think watching Kane without Sun you are getting a different player. And I was talking the other day to a couple of buddies. Kane needs a strike partner, whether that strike partner be playing behind him, ahead of him, left of him, or right of him. I don't know if that matters. But if Kane is going to go to another team, he needs to be playing with another attacker who can share the load in terms of scoring and assisting. Because Kane can play the role of, you know, even a center forward, like he, he plays well in that role, um, even all the way back to, to Cam. You know, he, he checks back, he tracks back, he plays hard, and he's intelligent with the way that he plays. But he cannot do all of that alone. If, if he doesn't have another guy that he knows is going to score when he gets him the ball, which he has with Wang Min Son at Tottenham currently, then I think we're going to see lessened efficiency in Harry Kane's game. Um, and I... I'm not hearing this. I'm not hearing this echoed um, as much as I, I thought I would post-tournament. They talked a little bit in the middle of the tournament about how Kane had, had sort of disappeared. Um, but then, you know, once he had that game where he, or the two games where he scored, everybody just forgot that that he was horrific for the first three, four games of the tournament. So I think that we have to talk about that and some people call me a Harry Kane hater. I think Kane is a good player. I think he's a great player when he has somebody. No, I, I, I think Kane is a great player by himself. I think he's a fantastic player when he has another player beside him who can share some of that weight, some of that responsibility, and is as talented as him. Um, and he needs that, and he didn't have that in the setup that Southgate was playing him in. Um I think England would have been better off if they had Patrick Bamford as their starting striker in this tournament. And I know that might seem mad to, to some of you, and it may seem like, yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty, but Bamford didn't even get included in this team. So when when you think about the way that Kane played and, and some of the performances he gave you, 
I think you would be a moron to not say, wow, I kind of wish we had Bamford on the bench to come off and, and, and take over that role when we need it because Bamford's a prolific scorer. He's he's fantastic. He's quick. He's sharp. He's smart on the ball, kind of like Kane is, but you know, quicker and, and you know not as long in the tooth as Kane is. And I think having him, you know, I, I don't know what Southgate's relationship with him is like, but I think that that could have done a huge, uh, a really, really, really big thing for England when they needed it. Um, you know, whether it just be a change of pace sort of thing, or or when when Kane wasn't doing what they needed him to do. Um, I think that would have been great, but unfortunately we didn't get to see that. Grealish instead um, was that sort of guy for them. That's who that's who Southgate brought on when they needed a spark. And it's another one. You know, this might seem this might seem foolish, but why wasn't Grealish starting every game? Is my question. The guy is electric. I mean, he has he has the spark and and vision and ability on the ball that not many wingers have and especially not many English wingers have in the past at least now we have some but um I don't understand why Grealish wouldn't be playing uh further up whether it be you know he could even be playing on the wing that's that's where he got subbed in most of the time I don't see why he didn't get more time every time Grealish got onto the pitch he was he was fantastic I mean I think he was unbelievable I think he needed to play more and it's it's a real shame that we didn't get to see that this Euro, maybe next Euro in the World Cup, while the, uh, Southgate will have to rely on him more. But I think that that could have solved a lot of problems. And and when when England were constipated and after the first you know twenty five minutes and and they started to to really just get bound up in the middle of the park, I think it's guys like Grealish who who have that flair and the ability to to get the ball out of those tight situations and and locked up situations. Um, you know, guys like Grealish are the kinds of guy that you need on the pitch, and they just didn't have that. And you know, they they did have young guys on. They had Saka on, um, and and Saka showed. Unfortunately, I hate to say this, so <clears throat> Saka showed his youth. Um, I just choked on air. Uh, Saka showed his youth. He gave the ball away. He wasn't engaged enough physically in the play. I think he got bullied. He let those guys, Bonucci and Cellini, um, being the two that I'm really talking about, he let those guys bully him. And he's just not big enough. That's that's part of the problem. He's a he's a pretty small guy. He's very young. Mentally, I don't know if he was there yet. Physically, certainly not there yet. But that's not to say that he didn't have an unbelievable tournament. That's not to say that he didn't perform as well as he could have. I think he did. And I think... Um, Saka especially, I mean, we need to applaud him just as a world footballing community. Um, the abuse that, that he and Rashford and Sancho are experiencing, I mean, it's it's disgusting. I just, I don't understand how you can call yourself a fan of an English national team or of a national team in general. Those guys are representing your country. So when you are making the decision and and those boys were born in your country, whether they're, it it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they even weren't born in your country. If they are English citizens, they have the same rights that you have. And if you are sitting down voluntarily and enjoying watching the art that they are providing that you aren't paying for, you're not pay. you, You don't pay anything for it. You're sitting there and watching and enjoying it, and loving it, and then when they fail, the first thing you do is go 
to a, a racial epithet or something along those lines to to denigrate these these young players. These guys are 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. Not 17, but they are young. These are young men. Like they're not adults. And to see the abuse that I saw just levied at the young guys and you know it it is it's racial. I mean, I I don't I just I don't see any other you can't beat around the bush. That's what it is. It's it's because they're they're black guys. That's that's why they get the abuse they get and it's just it's so disgusting. I I don't understand how you're not a fan. If if you root if you root for the English national team and you hate some of the players that are on it because of the color of their skin or even if it's not because of the color of their skin and you don't like them, how can you how can you truly be rooting for them your best interests are your your interests you know the english national team winning they don't align with with your hatred that you share for the players you can't have both you need to support the team unequivocally and and you can't pick who you like and who you don't like even players that i don't like on on my my team my club teams Never, ever, ever do I want them to fail. I always want them to succeed. When they do fail, you know, am I going to say, ah, oh, fuck, like, shit, you know, I was, I was a shit player or, or whatever the fuck. But I'm never going to slate a, a, a 19-year-old. And I'm certainly not going to slate him because of his race. I just don't understand it. I, I, I don't understand why, why well, it's racism. I don't need to understand it. But it, it does blow my mind. That's what I should say. It absolutely blows my mind that um, that these these three young men who played their hearts out, played for the flag, played for England for you know the past month, and have trained their entire lives to represent their country, you know to to see them be abused in the way that they were, and just to see some of the emotion, you know, you look at them on the pitch after they lose. If you look at Saka. He's sobbing like he's 20 years old. He doesn't know how to handle it. He's these these guys don't know anything besides football for the most part. Football and their family. That's it. So it's it's heartbreaking to me. And of course, uh, I'm biased to soccer because he's an Arsenal player, and I think he's unbelievably talented and and a great player. But it is if you have a heart, it is heartbreaking to watch. I mean, it is soul crushing. This sort of defeat. Um, to, to feel like it was on you, I can't imagine the amount of, of internal pain and thought that goes into it. And he's sobbing on the sideline as, as his manager is hugging him because that manager is more of a, like a parental figure at that age than anything else. He's, you know, he, he's the gaffer, right? He's, he's the boss, but that's <laughs> a, a boss. When you do your job poorly, he's not going to come up and hug you in real life, Right. These guys have a relationship with with Southgate, evidently, um, that a lot of players don't share with their managers. And if you don't have the compassion in your heart to understand, you know, these they're just kids. Like the it the manager made the wrong decision, and they were put out there to take the penalties. They they probably shouldn't have. It shouldn't have been. It should have been more experienced players. Sure, I I mean I can concede that point one hundred percent. But if you can't realize. <laughs> that they were just trying to do their best and they failed, then you're just a fucking shit human. And in the wake of the England defeat, 
um, we've been reminded, I've certainly been reminded, that there's an abhorrent amount of racism in football still, and kneeling is not going to fix it. So my hope is that, I always hope this, and it never does, it never, nothing ever happens, but that the FA will understand, and FIFA, well, FIFA's not going to do anything, but the FA especially, they, they're more, you know, um, more concerned with English football as, as its own sovereignty. I would hope that they would understand that this is not a problem that's going to go away with kneeling. I mean, you have a fan base eating its own players because of failure, and I know that's inherent to sports, and I know that happens, but these go- these people are not being punished. They are out there just being violent and racist and defacing murals and you know, they defaced a mural of, of Marcus Rashford, who has done more for impoverished British children than any celebrity has done for, I mean, I'd be willing to say that, than most celebrities have done for any sort of charity. He's young. He's, he's in his early 20s. He's my age. And he's doing things that I can't ever imagine being capable of doing. Not not on the on the pitch, but outside of the pitch in his community in his country and to 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 be a person that can forgo all of what he has done for maybe people that you know you know or are in your community and just go right to the race thing and and decide that you hate these players these people are actually dog shit humans like what is the point of of their existence um and I know that might seem harsh, but what are you doing? Why is this the hill that you've decided to die on? I think if they took if they took a page out of out of the book of somebody like Marcus Rashford and realized, wow, like look at what this guy's doing on the pitch and off the pitch. What can I do? Like, what more could I do to make not only my life more fulfilled, but the lives of others more fulfilled instead of spreading hatred? That would do a lot for the world, and I know I'm kind of on a soapbox at this point, and you might be tired of hearing that, but um, it, it's been a huge part of the defeat. I mean, it's been a huge part of the game um, that happened, the, the abuse that happened after um, to the three Lions, as they're calling them, I think, you know, fittingly. Um, and, and really, I mean, it just it was very, very frustrating. It was hard for me to digest the... the um, match because of of all of this you know i get it's politics it certainly is politics and i don't like necessarily my politics and sports but it's very very hard um for me to sit and and not not acknowledge what's going on because it is a part of sport i mean sport is a part of culture and and politics is a part of culture and and the three are are all intertwined whether you like it or not um and i just i don't know what the what the answer is i don't know what the punishments should be that's not for me to decide but i sure hope that something changes and i'm just i'm very 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 tired and um upset really just upset for those they're boys you can't even say men (laughs) they're young they're very young um it, it it breaks my heart to see that happen um but but I know that those people are out there that that live for that kind of shit and that's what they do and they 
they either don't know any better or they're purposefully hateful and it's fucked up um and i felt like i needed to talk about it quickly um before we get back to the game sorry my voice cracked i'm fucking my voice is shot dude i haven't sat and talked for 20 minutes straight in so long um but yeah i mean i i just like to quickly um before we round out um yeah, I want to recap the rest of the game. Uh, after after the Benucci goal, um, it was it was super quiet. I mean, Italy's first moment of danger came in the first half, thirty uh, fifth minute. It it almost drew them level with England. Uh, Chesa, who was, uh, I'm gonna say probably my player of the tournament. He's been unreal. Um, he struck a really low shot, really really nice, um, just about half a foot wide of the post. Um, he got the ball at midfield and surged all the way up um, before shooting the ball outside the box. And, and Pickford was just stuck, I mean, cemented in place. Uh, he had absolutely no um, absolutely no chance of, of saving that ball. Um, but, but it was wide, so, you know, <clears throat> um, England managed to maintain their lead. Italy began the second half much sharper than they did uh, the first half, Insigne looked more lively. There was a free kick uh, in the 50th minute, which was just another foot left um, of the left-hand post. Uh, England were, were breathing, you know, breathing heavily after that one. That was close. Um, there was a couple other results um, or a couple other chances, but it was the one um, with... <clears throat> um, sorry. I lost my spot. I have some notes here. Um, sorry. The the goal that came um, that drew everybody even was Benucci. Um, it wasn't pretty, but um, wasn't well worked either. <laughs> I should say that as well. Um, the ball kind of was flopping around the six-yard box, uh, came in from a corner, and Pickford just wasn't really in the spot um that he needed to be on and he knocked it out and Benucci just swept it right into the net um and that was it um there was a couple of chances in extra time but nothing really special uh Bernadeschi had a 30-yard free kick uh that went right at Pickford that wasn't anything fancy um and then that was like you know kind of a half chance but but that was really it um, the penalties is where everything was decided. Italy making three of their five, England making two. And I'd like to congratulate the Azori on their win. It was a fantastic, well-fought tournament, a tournament that none of us saw them winning um, for the most part. I mean, I don't know anybody that hit Italy winning. Uh, and, you know, good for the fans. They had a really, 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 really rough pandemic, you know. Um, they had a ton of deaths, more deaths than pretty much any other country per capita, I think. Um, so so it was it was awesome to see them win. I think any country for the most part would have been would have been super excited to, to win the Euro Championship because it's just such a it's such a huge thing um for, for a nation's pride. This football is just so important in these European countries. Um and and honestly the tournament just makes me so excited for the World Cup. I can't wait. Um, having, having no world cup in 2018 was awful. Uh, I had to root for Sweden, which was fun. You know, they made a quarterfinal run, but it wasn't anything too crazy. 
And I'm just so excited to be able to watch the United States men's national team in action. It feels like it's been a decade, and I suppose it has been almost a decade um, since we've seen them play in a World Cup. So it'll be really, really cool. I'm finally old enough to kind of go out and enjoy it in an atmosphere where there's going to be other people who are rooting for the team. It's going to be a blast. The jerseys, everybody's wearing jerseys, everybody's yelling, everybody's singing. Um, and we don't get to see that a lot here in the States. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I think that'll be really cool. And, and, you know, we're only, we're only a year away. It's Well, wait, isn't the, the Qatar one, it's supposed to be in the winter. I don't know how they're doing it. Um, but it's going to be, it's definitely going to be weirder. Um, it's not going to be quite the world cup that I'm used to, but I'm excited. Nonetheless, I think it'll be cool. Um, I'm just going to try my best to, to not think about all the bodies that the, the stadiums are built on. Um, I actually, that's, that's kind of been a hard thing um, for me to kind of quantify when I think about this upcoming World Cup. It being in Qatar, which is such a corrupt and horrific, I'm going to call it a state because that's kind of what it is. It's like a weird country, state. It's just really weird. The laws are weird. The freedoms are very limited. Money buys you freedom. Like it's, I guess that happens here too, but it's kind of gross. It's super gross. Um, they use slave labor to build these stadiums. There's, there's tons of literature out there. If you guys want to read it, I recommend that you do read it so that you can understand the CD side of world football, um, which, I mean, you got to have like two or three brain cells and you can understand that. Um, but, but it's definitely worth reading about, um, so that you can kind of understand what you're watching and and what goes into what you're watching. Does it remove some of the glory and, and, you know, prettiness of it? Sure. Is it worth knowing and informing yourself? Absolutely. Um, and, and that's really, you know, kind of all I have to say. It was a great Euro. I didn't get to watch as many games as I would have liked, but I certainly watched the games. I made time for the games that I really did want to watch. Um, and now we're heading into we're heading into a little bit of a lull for for football, uh, soccer, whatever you want to call it. I, I use them interchangeably. Um, you know we have the NBA Finals going on now. We have some golf tournaments. The Open starts this weekend, um, so I'm excited for that. I'm thinking this weekend I might do um, I might do some like preview stuff or not not this weekend but like tomorrow or the next day. Um, cause I think I have a couple hours, um, on Friday, I'm thinking maybe, um, I'll put out like a prediction thing for the open. Um, but if you don't see it, that's cause I just got too lazy and didn't do it. Matt's going on vacation. He's going down, uh, taking, taking some time off for himself, going with one of our old co-hosts, Trevor. Uh, they are going to, uh, Cape Coral. Florida, I think it's hot as fuck, but that's where they're going um, for Trevor's brother's bachelor party. I think I think that's what Matt told me. So Matt will be down in Florida. He said um, he's going to light up the social media feeds for you guys. Um, make sure y'all know what's going on in Cape Coral. I'm sure it'll be it'll be busy. It'll be loud. It'll be popping. Um, so Matt will let you guys know what's going on there. Um, Video pods, I guess, kind of canceled till further notice for me. I am trying to figure out the camera thing. I can't get a battery or, well, I tried to get a battery. It didn't ever ship. 
So I don't know if it's shipping or not shipping. And I don't want to buy another one if this one is shipping. So until further notice, I mean, video pods are kind of canceled. Um, they'll be back at some point. Like, don't sweat it. Don't worry about it. I think Matt and I are going to try and start recording in person again at some point too. I don't know. This is definitely easier, but um, there's something to be said for the the video or like the in person video recorded stuff too. Like, it's definitely cool. Um, so so yeah, there's there's things coming. Um, I know right now like Matt and I are just fucking hammered with work. We're tired. Our bodies hurt. Like I haven't seen Matt or hung out with Matt in so long. Um, because our work schedules are just so fucked up and I just picked up another job. So like, it's brutal. Um, but we're trying our best to, to make sure that you guys still get something every week. I'll be honest with you. I've thought about maybe taking a month off, um, of, of the pod, like giving Matt and I some time to just kind of revitalize while there's no soccer on. I, I haven't run that by him yet. I don't know if he'd be down for that or not. I I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest with you, because um, I do enjoy it. But I think it might be good for us, to be honest. I think, you know, we might be creatively recharged by the time we get back. But that's a conversation for another night. Um, we'll, we'll let you guys know if we're going on hiatus. Like, don't sweat it. Uh, it's not going to be one of those things where you just don't get episodes for a month or two weeks or, you know, whatever the fuck. That's not how either of us roll. We would never do that to you guys because I know that there's some of you that really, really enjoy the show, and we appreciate you so much for that. Um, with that, all I can ask you to do is uh, head over to the Post20 socials at Post20Pod on Twitter and Instagram. We're active on those two. Not so much Instagram as much as Twitter. Actually, they're both kind of dead right now, but I'll get back on it. Um, so yeah, post 20 pod, um, on Twitter and Instagram, check us out on Spotify, SoundCloud and Apple podcasts. Those are the three places you can find our show, uh, post 20 podcast, of course. Um, and that's it. I'm rounding this off at 29 minutes, 55 seconds. So how about that? It's going to be, uh, it's going to be 30 minutes right on the nose. Thank you guys again for watching and, uh, we'll catch you next time. All right. Take care.